The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the general, Cigar Dave. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the general Cigar Dave. Well, we have moved from the Cigar City Theater of Operations and have moved Command Center Alpha to a very familiar spot. But a spot that is usually not this warm this time of year. I have moved to the Pooch Pit in a classified destination within the Western New York, the Buffalo Theater of Operations. It is unseasonably warm in Buffalo. It is uh, 82 degrees at broadcast time. It is warm. It's almost like being back in the Cigar City without uh, the excessive humidity. It is absolutely delightful. And we are in the pooch pit, and there is something that I smell. The aroma is incredible. It's not a cigar. It is not one of the spirits that we'll enjoy today. And it's certainly not one of the attack dogs that we are hearing over on the side of the pooch pit. By the way, that's not a, that sounds like an attack cat. That's not an attack dog. But an aroma of fantastic delicacy that we will get to. Long-ass greetings and salutations. A long-ass snappy salute. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. And extending a very happy New Year. Rosh Hashanah 5778. Greetings to all those that observe. And as part of... Rosh Hashanah Maneuvers. Cigar Mother has uh, has cooked some special brisket, and I welcome Colonel Ange to the Pooch Pit Theater of Operations. Thanks for the hospitality, Colonel Ange. You're always welcome here, Dave. You know that. It's great to be here, and it's nice to have you here when we're having the September surprise. That is four or five, six, maybe seven days in a row of 80-degree temperature in, mid- in mid-September. Well, it's better than the October surprise storm you had about 10 years ago where, like, it was early October and uh, there was an ice storm and it was with people without power. Trees went down. It was – this is a far better alternative. And, by the way, uh, I see that you've got the the security detail consisting of attack cats because I'm going to tell you, that doesn't sound like Sultan, my German shepherd, or Toby, your – by the way, Toby, your beagle, who is sniffing the perimeter to make sure there's no enemies of pleasure within the uh, Pooch Pit Theater of Operations. Yeah, that's his job, and he knows the attack cats are harmless, so he doesn't even bother with them. Have you seen that? And what are those anyway, by the way? <laughs> There's some sort of dog that's below the threshold of dog, maybe just above. Those are the kind of dogs that you can put in. You know, you see women that travel on planes. Those are the kind of dogs that you can stick in their little bags. You know, they have those little Gucci bags or their Louis Vuitton bags that stick out, or they've got them in their purse. They're, and I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing more irritating than adding a dame to the harem that has those little faux dogs, their glorified cats where they travel with all the time and they sleep in their bed. 
No way. If that ever happens to you, hit the eject button immediately. There's something very wrong with them. Well, Colonel Ange, we are celebrating National Bourbon Heritage Month, as you know, and we've got a 2X hopped flavored whiskey from Southern Tier Distilling that we will be enjoying a little bit later on. But as part of reporting on National Bourbon Heritage Month as we celebrate it, some interesting figures have come from the Kentucky Distillers Association. The bourbon industry and the production of bourbon is extremely healthy. One way to measure the health of the bourbon industry is to measure the number of barrels currently holding aging whiskey across Kentucky. Now, get this, Colonel Ange. This is incredible. There is, I think there's about four, the population is something like 4.2 million people in Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in that neck of the woods. The Kentucky Distillers Association reports that its member warehouses, which does not include Buffalo Trace, which is a very large producer of whiskey. They make the Buffalo Trace, the the Pappy Van Winkle. They make the, I'm trying to remember, the, uh, uh, what's the one that I really enjoy? The double, not the double eagle, uh, eagle reserve, double eagle rare, something along those lines. But they are huge. So you got to take this into consideration that their member warehouses, not including Buffalo Trace, now hold 6.8 million barrels of aging bourbon, the highest inventory in 44 years. And that's a significant increase from two years ago when 5.6 million barrels were counting. So that is 1.5 barrels for every living person in Kentucky. That is incredible. That's completely crazy. That, that's a pool. That's an ocean. <laughs> it's, it's, it's... Well, that's almost as many chicken wings as in the Western New York Theater of Operations. I mean, there's what, about a million, roughly the metro Buffalo, Western New York population, Buffalo, Niagara Falls, is about just over a million people. I think 1.1 million, somewhere in that neck of the woods. And there's probably, what, maybe uh, 25 million chicken wings in Buffalo at any given time? There will be on Sunday, I guarantee that. For the football game, there's no doubt about it. So, uh, 1.5 barrels for every living person in the in the uh, bluegrass state, but they really ought to change it to the name to the bourbon state. 17,000, over almost 18,000 jobs go to people in Kentucky working in the bourbon industry. They generate over 800 million in local, state, federal tax revenue. Corn purchases are up 65% over the last two years in Kentucky. The Kentucky Bourbon Trail has now 10 participating distilleries. The craft tour expanded to 13 locations across the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Kentucky produces 95% of the world's supply of bourbon. $1.2 billion in capital projects just finished or underway. So Kentucky bourbon is healthier than ever. But unfortunately, Kentucky's still the home of the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> That's great. Maybe you should have some bourbon. He'd lighten up. I doubt how Mitch McConnell, I, 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 I have no sense of humor. This is how I talk. Yeah, in fact, I think they ought to stuff him in one of those 6.8 million bourbon barrels and just kind of, like, be done with him because he's he's bothering everybody. The guy's – I've never liked Mitch McConnell, i got to tell you. No, there's nothing – really, the guy's humorless, like you said. I mean, it's let's get him drunk, see what he does. Great story about Mitch McConnell. About three years ago, the uh, Bobby and Eric Newman held a cigar industry meeting at the J.C. Newman factory right in their cafeteria, which is they've renovated. It's beautiful. In fact, we've had many events there. Colonel Lange, you've been to many of them. Yeah, it really is. And so we had an industry meeting. People came in from Miami. People came in from, obviously, Tampa and from New York and from, from across the country to meet with Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell came in and to speak to the industry. Great. And guy really 
has got the personality of probably, I don't know, maybe like uh, a steel door. There's nothing there. There's just no personality there. And you, know, you talk to him, you chit-chat with him. But again, unless you got a big check, the guy just doesn't get excited. The guy doesn't get hard unless you got a big check. That's really what it boils. I don't think the guy gets hard, period. But anyway, I digress. But let me tell you, there's a Bobby Newman has his his uh, guide dog. He's very active. He's on the board of these southeastern guide dogs, and he's got Jeannie, who is from one of the offspring of the guide dogs. And Jeannie, he brings everywhere. He go. He travels out to the to a supermarket. He's out to an event. He goes to a cigar store. Goes to the office. Jeannie is with him everywhere, and she is, uh, I think, qualifies as a uh, as a guide dog because she is trained. Well, classic. They had these table skirts. The tables, it was in a square all the way around the room, kind of like conference style, around the room. And they had these table skirts in front of all the tables. And Jeannie was was kind of walking around, and she ends up going underneath the table skirt and starts sniffing Mitch McConnell underneath the table. <laughs> you got to picture this. Yeah, that's a bad choice there, Jenny. Uh, well, I, I think I've got... I think I've got a picture of Jeannie. I'm going to see if I can dig that out, and if we do, we'll post it. I think I have it somewhere. i got to find it. But a classic, and you can see Mitch McConnell's getting a little bit irritated, so you know the guy's not a dog guy. And when you're not a dog guy right off the bat, you're not one of, you're not one of us. If you're not a dog guy, that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, I agree 100%. Not comfortable around dogs, and you can see it, and I'm laughing. And and Chandelier from J.C. Newman is kind of cra- everybody's kind of laughing. And finally, Bobby kind of grabs the dog, Greg Genie, and and and. But it was great to see Mitch McConnell getting his nut sniffed by Genie <laughs> underneath the table, and he was very uncomfortable. And I think it's probably the first time anybody's been near this, the nut sack. I mean, I was just thinking the same thing. He's probably never had that experience before on any level. Well, Elaine Chow, who is the Secretary of Transportation, very weak by the way, uh, is is his wife, and kind of an odd pairing but in any event just a mitch mcconnell kentucky story where i digress all right when we come back we'll tell you about starbucks first barrel aged coffee very interesting how they've done this uh unfortunately if you want to go get a hit of bourbon within the coffee not going to happen but i've been trying to find some very very difficult to find and i'm perturbed there's two items that took place one about an eight-year-old peewee football team kneeling during the national anthem which i'm a little perturbed about and i want to get to a story about a teacher using gender neutral pronouns for her grade school elementary class in tallahassee a bunch of absolute wackadoodle nut jobs have infested the united states of america i am the general along with colonel Ange. we're in the pooch pit in the western new york theater of operations we will continue alpha male conversational pleasure maneuvers around the corner Download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Android, Kindle, and iOS so you can listen to The General anytime, anywhere. The Cigar Dave mobile app is presented by Diamond Crown. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store today. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number no. 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm-hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper, fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the Diamond Crown. 
Wow, he's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium Diamond Crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or Diamond Crown Lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit DiamondCrown.com. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Like a mighty oak, standing in the face of gale force winds of political correctness, it's the General Cigar Dave. The General front and center along with Colonel Ange from the Pooch Pit in the Western New York Theater of Operations, classified location, very warm on this Saturday, unseasonably warm. I am up in uh, Buffalo for uh, actually about uh, ready to return. Later today, actually tomorrow morning, first thing, back to the Cigar City of Tampa. But a nice change. I went from uh, incredibly hot to hot. Just hot. Just hot. Not, yeah. not damn hot. Hot. I figured it would be a nice little respite. It would be, you know, maybe in the low 70s, high 60s. This is like uh, middle of summer here. It really is. It's uh, end of July, early August weather. And it's going to go on. It's been ten, It's going to be 10 days, Dave. In January, you're going to pay for it, Colonel Andy. <laughs> I'm used to it, but yes, you're right. <laughs> Get ready for it's 30. No, but we move, well, now, wait a minute. We move Super Snack Operations now to the the uh, Tampa Theater of Operations, where we have our Cigar Day Valfel Pleasure Fest on the flight line. So the last two years, you've escaped from having to wear the later hosen at minus 20-degree weather outside. Yes, at my old joints. Thank you very much, General. <laughs> All right. Well, got to. Uh, before we continue, there is somebody that I want to recognize who's been a longtime friend who uh, has been a colleague, oh, since I uh, uh, moved uh, uh, the Cigar Dave show back uh, back in May 1997 over at the time to 970 WFLA, and that is Ted Webb, a Tampa broadcasting institution, a Tampa broadcasting legend. Ted announced last week he's the co-host of AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, another Tampa Bay broadcasting legend. Uh, Ted announced that he is going to be retiring the end of the year. Ted is an absolute institution in the Cigar City. Ted has been worked at virtually every station, everywhere you go. People know Ted. Broke into radio at 14 and a classic. Actually, at one time, I owned a, the radio station that Ted actually worked at at one time, WP, 1400 WPAS. So some interesting history there. And Ted had a great story. He said, 
He worked for WALT, Walt AM, 1110. He had an audition for a weekend disc jockey job, figuring it was an easy uh, way to earn money because he said the job was sitting in air conditioning, which he didn't have at home at the time, and Honey's calling in all day to request songs. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> he did. He had the dream job. Well, his original, his real name is Henry Ruiz, but the Ted Webb name was born February 1969 when he was hired as a morning DJ for WCWR in Clearwater, and they gave him, randomly gave him the choice of three alias, Ricky Robbins, <laughs> Denny Miller, or Ted Webb. <laughs> Webb. I'm not sure if any of those are any good. Do we get to vote now? Uh, Ted Webb is good, but Ricky Robbins, I mean, <laughs> Danny Miller, he sounds like he should be on, what was that, Barney, the TV show. Yeah, or maybe in selling insurance. Hi, Danny Miller's here with the uh, homeowner's policy. Yeah, Ricky Robbins, uh, a little light in the loafer, it sounds. I don't know. But in any event, Ted has been, uh, he's done everything. Country, rock, hard rock, oldies, moved into talk radio in 1980 before he was at WFLA. He was at, uh, I'm trying to remember the forerunner. It was uh, 570, and I can't remember what the call letters were. Was it WLCR? I can't remember. But a number of uh, very well-known Tampa talk show hosts came from there. But I'll tell you what, he has done – He he's a great talk show host. He's a great gent, loves cigars, and uh, Ted's had some health issues. But I sure hope that in some way, shape, or form, Ted will stay somehow active in the world of broadcasting, maybe doing his Webb's world because – He's very opinionated. He's got great commentary. And as Ted likes to say, live it up. So, Ted, I'm raising my cigar in a glass, and we will honor, we will dedicate our litation and libation ceremony to you today as you always live it up and we live it up as well. All right, with it being National Bourbon Heritage Month, we have to tie in bourbon wherever we can. Starbucks, the home of extremely overpriced coffee and coffee that, frankly, to me, just is bitter. It's over-roasted. I don't know about you, Colonel Ange, but it just, to me, I'd rather have Tim Hortons. I would rather have Dunkin' Donuts. Actually, I can tell you that Goodrich Coffee, the coffee we did the espresso blend for the Cigar Dave Alpha Pleasure Fest, that coffee is magnificent. It's an espresso roast, but very, very smooth. It doesn't have that that harsh bitterness uh, motor oil taste to it. Yeah, you know, and I don't know if that comes from the commercial distribution somehow. I don't know, because you're using bigger tanks or something. Again, I don't like Starbucks. The best, I think, just to drive up and get for me is Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, Dunkin' Donuts is very, very good. Can't go wrong in that. Goodrich Coffee. In fact, I'm going to take a visit out there while I'm, while I'm still here in the Western New York Theater of Operations. But Starbucks, back in March, announced that they were going to come out with a new limited edition coffee called Starbucks Reserve Whiskey Barrel Aged Sulawesi. It was a coffee. They took Sulawesi coffee, beans hand-scooped. They take small batch, 800-pound green, unroasted Starbucks Reserve Sulawesi beans. They hand-scoop them and do freshly emptied American oak Age whiskey barrels from Woodenville Whiskey Company. They store the beans in those whiskey barrels for several weeks, and over several weeks, the beans absorb the whiskey flavor. They're hand-rotated frequently to ensure that all the coffee comes into contact with the wood, with the oak barrel. And it's a little bit different than how they normally would age their coffee or their beans, where they rest them in burlap bags. What happens is they then roast the beans. And during the roasting process, if you think you're going to get some whiskey in the coffee, no such luck, because during the, the roasting process, the alcohol burns off, but the aroma and flavor of the whiskey still comes through. You get the 
the earthy notes. You get the oakiness. So it's a very unique flavor. Well, they sold out of it very quickly in March, and now Starbucks just released a few weeks ago in certain other locations, in Los Angeles, in New York, in San Francisco. They have released the beans, the coffee, and they've got a special libation they've created called the Whiskey Barrel-Age Cold Brew. And what they do is they take the barista, not the coffee maker, the barista. I want to be very technical about this. The, the Starbucks barista mixes the coffee the, uh, in whiskey barrel-aged vanilla syrup. They shake it up with ice. They strain it. They serve it in a chilled, slender plastic cup with a black lid and straw. And then for $6.50, you too can enjoy whiskey barrel-aged cold brew. I don't know about you. I'm not one of these guys that want anything. I don't want any whisk. I don't want vanilla. I don't want maple syrup. Just give me coffee, fresh brewed coffee. And that's one of the hardest things. If you go to one of these places like Tim Hortons, I'll order a uh, espresso, and they'll say, what flavor do you want it? I said, coffee, flavor. <laughs> no flavor, right? That's it. And we, know, it's just it drives you crazy because they really can't comprehend that you don't want anything else in there but the espresso. Yeah, I'll go in and I'll order. I'll say I want a medium coffee black. And they just there's like an empty, there's a stare. There's this glaze. And, I, and, and they're looking at you like, well, don't you want a frappa mocha latte capo maracchino with extra two shots of, of vanilla and room for sugar and extra room for cream? The answer is no. Black coffee, all I take is my stevia drops that I put in because I don't use the NutraSweet or the, or the artificial sweeteners anymore. That's it. And they look at you like you're from outer space. Yeah, it's, it's, it tastes like ordering a cupcake. Then they want to know if you want sprinkles and whipped cream. It's, it's, I don't want a cupcake. I want a cup of coffee. Yeah, it's amazing. And I love when you go, I'll tell you what, there's a person that works over at iHeart Tampa, a very dear friend, Sue Trikas, who we love and adore. Sue was the former program director of 970 WFLA, now the executive producer of The Schnitt Show. Sue would go into the break room, pour in maybe about a half cup of coffee and just start pouring in that artificial creamery, that cream, that powdered nonsense. And I just watch it. And then the sugar and I'd say, Sue, how about some coffee with your phony, chemically-induced cream? And she'd say, but this is how I like it. Sue, I have no idea how you drink that. Give me fresh, ground, and brewed coffee. Love the aroma, love the taste. In fact, I'll either brew it, or I will make it with a pour-over, which I have, or I will do it French press style or formal press style, as we like to call it. Libation and Litation Ceremony is next. Get the latest cigars, hand-picked by the General, each month, delivered straight to your door when you join the Cigar Dave Officers Club. For just $22.95 a month, you'll receive three premium cigars in a customized Ziploc Cigar Dave pouch. To join, go to CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. 
Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, we're going to be enjoying several whiskeys, a bourbon and an American whiskey, as we celebrate National Bourbon Heritage Month. Front and center from the Pooch Pit. Classified location, Western New York Theater of Operations, along with Colonel Ange. Colonel Ange, are you ready for litation and libation maneuvers? Yes, sir. That cigar looks beautiful. That's called a seg in the broadcasting business. That is a perfect seg because the cigar that we're going to be enjoying today comes from the Placencia family. Nestor Placencia Sr., Nestor Placencia Jr., all the Placencias. We've talked about the Placencias before. They make cigars for many other manufacturers and distributors. They are the largest growers of cigar tobacco in the world. Little hidden secret, they've always made great cigars for others and they decided a few years ago they were going to make cigars under their own family brand name. They started with the Placencia Alma Fuerte, a very full flavored cigar. And all these Placencia in the Alma series, which means soul in Spanish or heart, all of them are on the super premium side. So they use the best of the best cigar tobaccos. The packaging is absolutely exquisite. Every box contains a built-in unique ashtray. Very, very exquisite. And they launched this summer at the Cigar Retailers Convention in Vegas mid-July, the Placencia Alma del Campo, soul of the countryside. This is a beautiful looking cigar. Again, it is super premium all the way. It uses 100% Nicaraguan tobaccos from their farms, Criollo 98 vintage of various ages, wrapper, filler, binder, but it is a medium-bodied cigar, medium to full, but exceptionally smooth, very complex, and it comes in five different sizes. The Robust, correction, the Toro, which is called the Travesia, six and a half inches in length with a 56 ring gauge, and when we refer to ring gauge, for those of you that are cigar novices or neophytes we express ring gauge in 64ths of an inch diameter so a 64 ring gauge size cigar would be one inch in diameter so a 56 ring gauge is 56 64ths of an inch they have a sendero 6 by 56 they have the 
Madroño, six and a half by 58. And the Robusto that we're enjoying called the Guajiro, five and a half inches in length by 52. They also have the Tribu, five by 52. 15 to $19 suggested retail price, 10 count boxes, and the lid is made that to double as an ashtray. A beautiful cigar made by Placencia Cigars, Sociedad Anima, down in Nicaragua. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Well, I like to call this the batwing type of double-edged stainless steel guillotine cutter because when you open it up, it looks like a bat. And then you just basically put your hand on each side of the wings and you cut it. A beautiful job. It's a one-time deal. Very, very nice. Colonel Ange, I see that Ernesto Perez Carrillo gave this to you way, way back, back when he was still at El Credito La Gloria Cubana. Yep, that was our trip to uh, Little uh, to Little Havana in Miami. And yes, it was a gift from Ernesto. Very nice. Do you have any uh, stone crabs left over from that trip? <laughs> Maybe in my pocket. Let me look. <laughs> All right, we shall continue. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. All right, we've got a that Colonel Ange has taken from the tool shed. By the way, this is beautiful. So when you are welding anything here in the pooch pit, any of the 28 grills that you have in smokers, this is what you use. That's my 29th grill, General. In case everything breaks down, I can cook with that. You really could. You know what? I was going to say, just stick this underneath a Salem's hot dog for about 30 seconds, and you're good to go. Yes, you do. You can do a steak. takes a little time, but it works great. Well, we've got a delicacy that is warming up in the oven. We didn't need this torch, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut as always. And I will now gently toast the foot of this magnificent Placencia Almo del Campo Robusto. Listen to that. Now, not only is it about 83 degrees here in the Western New York Theater of Operations in the Pooch Pit, but when you add the heat, now I don't know what it's like for you, Colonel Edge, to be in a Pooch Pit in front of, on top of all these fires. All right, I will gently toast the foot of this cigar, taking my time. Ah, the aroma, outstanding. There's nothing like the first few puffs, or the first few sniffs of a freshly toasted cigar. I will puff and rotate. Great draw. Oh, yeah. Blow on the foot of the cigar. One more touch up here. Mm. Mm. Absolutely outstanding. Colonel Ange, go ahead. You can conduct libation while I enjoy libationary maneuvers. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, it is National Bourbon Heritage Month. But we also expanded on the Cigar Dave Show the last number of years to also celebrate American whiskeys as well, any sort of brown spirit. But we're going to enjoy an authentic Kentucky bourbon. This is one of the original small batch bourbons. Actually, Jim Beam, this has got to be going back some, oh, I would say 20, 20, uh, let's see, about 25, maybe longer, about 28 years ago. They decided that they were going to get into the small batch bourbon business. Their Jim Beam, you can't, I love their Jim Beam uh, black, used to be called the double black aged eight years. Now they've taken the age statement off of it. But Jim Beam, very, very lovely bourbons. We'll be doing our full bourbon and American whiskey tasting maneuver edition of the Cigar Dave show next Saturday with Somalier Dave and Tommy D. 
from uh, the Corona Cigar Lounge and the Davidoff Cigar Lounge in the Cigar City of Tampa. But back about 27, 28 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, Jim Beam decided they were going to get into small batch bourbons before small batches were popular. And they created the Small Batch Bourbon Collection, which featured the Knob Creek, Booker's, Baker's, and Basil Hayden. By the way, Basil Hayden, a phenomenal bourbon. Colonel Lange, you've had the Basil Hayden, I know. Yes, I have. Had it with you a couple of times. We did a, a flight, I think, of something with that. We did very, very smooth. But Knob Creek is a Kentucky straight bourbon produced by Beam Suntory. It's kind of hard to imagine that the Japanese now own one of America's great distilleries. Jim, that doesn't sit very well with me. It just doesn't. I mean, it's not like we're going to go in and own a sake distillery, is it? I think we own a few. I don't think we do. No, I, I, I would be surprised. Apparently, Jim Beam didn't get the message, we won the war in WW2, so they ought to be selling to us, not us selling to them. But in any event, this is the primary expression of the brand, the Knob Creek. It is bottled at 100 proof, higher than the typical 80 proof minimum required for a bourbon. It was formerly aged for nine years. However, you will notice, Colonel Ange, there is no longer an age statement on this bottle of Knob Creek straight bourbon whiskey, small batch. Do you want to know why? I do want to know why. Tell me. Well, they used to age it for nine years. However, when demand exceeded supply beginning in uh, two, uh, 2000, I would say 2008, 2010, bourbon became very big. They decided, okay, we're not going to wait the nine years to age. So therefore, if you take the age statement off, you're selling it to a number of new consumers. Many people say, well, you can't tell the difference between a four or a five or a six. So nobody knows what the age statement is. I would say it's probably more than four. It's definitely less than nine. But certainly that has altered things because, again, they've tried to pump out a lot of whiskey. We saw Maker's Mark do the same thing a number of years ago, saying they're going to take the age statement off. They were going to basically cut their whiskey down a little bit in terms of proof and they were going to use lesser age whiskeys and they had such a backlash that they ended up rescinding that decision i remember when that happened that was big big stuff in the uh, bourbon industry well when you're telling people this is what maker's mark is this is what it's been for the last 40 50 years if not longer and then all of a sudden you change it you're screwing the very consumers that put you on the map and made you that really significant of a brand yeah, I agree. I mean, and they go to great lengths with their ambassadors, their bourbon ambassadors. You get letters and a Christmas gift every year. I mean, yeah, you know what? Now they're going to put water in their whiskey? I don't think so. Well, and that's why the ambassadors, there's tremendous backlash. I talked about it on the show with a large Twitter campaign, and uh, it's amazing. After I started the campaign, now I don't know if I'm going to take credit. I, I, what the hell? I will. I'll be like Donald Trump. I will take credit. Yes. They rescinded within, on that Saturday I talked about it, by that Tuesday, the decision by Maker's Mark was rescinded. But there are different varieties of the Knob Creek. We're going to have the Kentucky Straight Bourbon Small Batch 100 proof. However, there is other expressions as well. Let's go through those very quickly for you. They have their Straight Rye Whiskey, also at 100 proof. Their Smoked Maple, maple Bourbon Whiskey, which is fortified by charred oak bourbon. I have not had the smoked maple. I do. I hope it is not like the Crown Royal uh, maple where they put Aunt Jemima pancake syrup directly in the crown and have destroyed it. It makes a great barbecue sauce, but don't drink it. 
Do not drink it. It's you may as well just stick some uh, log cabin or Aunt Jemima pancake. Uh, it's not even really pancake syrup. It's it's phony. It's sugar with all sorts of other phony ingredients. Just stick it right in your mouth, and and that's the way to you know to enjoy it. Because to me, if you're going to enjoy a maple type of flavored whiskey, I want the natural maple wood. That's what I want. I don't want a maple syrup or where they put sugar or any type of foreign substance in that whiskey. Now, Knob Creek also has their single barrel reserve, unblended to show off the singular nature of each hand-chosen barrel. So those are the basic varieties, very reasonably priced. You're looking at around, uh, for 750 milliliter, anywhere about $30, $35, $38, depending on the taxes. But a very, very lovely bourbon. It has won many competitions, and that's exactly what I will enjoy today for my libation the Knob Creek Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let me open that up. Pour that in. Just a tad bit. Colonel Ange, help yourself there. Take a little, going to swirl it around. Wow, very lovely aromas. Some, definitely some oaky, charred uh, aroma to it. A little vanilla. A little molasses, too, that I'm getting. I will say cheers. With the plastic glasses, the plastic tumblers, because we're in the pooch pit, can't have any glass. All right, I will take a sip. Wow. There's a lot of heat. A lot of warmth. CDWF, Cigar Dave, warm factor. Definitely, I would say that's a uh, that's about a 9.178. I'm up there with you, yeah. You're around at the 9.2. Okay, 9.2. But a lot of flavor. Definitely a lot of that oakiness. To me, this is definitely aged more than four years. You don't have to tell me an age statement because when you get that much oak sizzle on there, that tells you that it's been in those barrels. It has definitely survived a number of summers, but uh, very, very nice. Is this your bourbon of choice, Colonel Ann? Yes, it is. This one and uh, Maker's Mark. Uh, I, they stayed with it. I'm happy with it. I love it every day, and this is like a little special occasion bourbon. Can't go wrong with Woodford Reserve as well. In fact, their Woodford Reserve, uh, they came out with a maple-aged, wood-aged a number of years ago. Very limited edition. That's great. And the old Forster Birthday Bourbon, which is coming out, I think, uh, next week or so. Another great. We'll see if Sommelier Dave will bring us a bottle. You're a lucky man, Dave. Well, we're all lucky because we enjoy great cigars, because we enjoy fantastic spirits, and because we are alpha males. So we've got my Placencia Almo del Campo lit. All right, here go, Paul. Very nice. Let me take a sip of my Knob Creek Small Batch Straight Bourbon Whiskey, 100 proof, 50% alcohol by volume. Hmm. That's a pretty good pairing. It is. It is. This is a great cigar. It's, it, you know, again, the, the talk was always all the Nicaraguan tobacco. If you had a Puro, it was going to be, I don't know, musky and maybe too strong. This is beautiful. No, the Placencias make great cigars. They're wonderful, great family, just uh, hospitable as can be. And we, we had the interview with Nestor Placencia. Steve, we ran that with Nestor Placencia Jr., did we not? I believe we did back uh, in August, if I'm not mistaken. We did not yet. Oh, we still haven't run that yet. All right. Well, we will run that. In fact, the Placencia Almo del Campo will be one of our future Officers Club selection. I am spilling the beans. And by the way, if you're a member of our Officers Club, because of Hurricane Irma, there will be a delay in shipping. So please be aware of that with our La Polina selection. We are... Uh, 
attempting to try to get it out late next week, but it's probably going to be right towards the end of the month. And again, many of the cigar manufacturers in Florida, Fort Myers, Naples, Miami, Lauderdale, they were all hit without power. Their computer systems were out. So everybody is slowly getting back up to speed, but there will be a delay. We're just letting you know. Clearly, forces beyond our control. All right, lieutenants, when we come back, much more to get to as we enjoy Alpha Male Broadcast Pleasure Conversational Maneuvers. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> that could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Day. If you're like millions of cigar buffs, you've enjoyed a love affair with Romeo y Julieta. Your passion has made it the world's best-known brand, trusted to deliver an excellent mild smoke. But now, you're ready for something new and avant-garde, something bolder with more panache. Now, there's Romeo by Romeo y Julieta, a modern, fuller-bodied smoke created to lead an exciting new trend in luxury cigars. Romeo is our finest Romeo y Julieta, an awesome manly smoke, robust and rich in complex flavor sensations. Each leaf is carefully selected, delicately aged, and meticulously crafted by expert hands full of wisdom and tenderness. Hands with decades of experience, culminating in an unforgettable smoke. Your first Romeo will blow you away. The passion you've always felt will soar to new heights. You'll discover the passion that burns within. Visit The Cigar Life on Facebook and Twitter. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. The General has determined that enemies of pleasure are hazardous to your happiness. For your protection and sanity, they've been vaporized. I'll tell you who else I would like to vaporize. That is the eight-year-old Cahokia football team, which conducted an act earlier this week, or last week, that I thought was incredibly disrespectful that is inappropriate, I think, for eight-year-olds. They are in Belleville, Illinois. Every player on the Cahokia 
quarterback club football team, which is eight years old and under, during the playing of the national anthem of uh, the game a week ago. Let's see. This would have been actually this past Sunday at Little Devil's Field in Belleville, Illinois, decided to take an E during the national anthem. They, the kids apparently told their coach that they saw people protesting and rioting in St. Louis, and the coach asked, do you know why they're doing it? Uh, coach Orlando Gooden asked, said that one of the players responded because black people are getting killed and nobody's going to jail. Well, look, that case that I saw, I, and I, you know that I've stated this, that many people and many talk show hosts, many presenters across the country say, unilaterally say that law enforcement should not be challenged. Law enforcement should be, should be put up on a pedestal. And I disagree with that. I've stated all along and some people, you may not like hearing this and some people in law enforcement may not like hearing this, but the reality is we do have many bad apples in law enforcement and I'm not going to give somebody a pass. If there's a bad cop, we're going to call them out. And in fact, I would venture to say that most of the good cops would like to call out the bad cops and rid themselves of bad cops because it gives the good cops a bad reputation and a bad name. I don't think, I know many uh, policemen and police officers, people that are in law enforcement, and they'll tell you quietly, look, we got a lot of bad guys. And you have seen a change in the, in how, and I'll give you a perfect example of this. We have seen a change in the look and attitude of cops, I would say, over the last 10 to 15 years. And Colonel Lange, you can let me know if you concur with this. Way back, 30, 40, 50 years ago, you had cops that walked the beat. People knew them. They knew their communities. Even if they were a car, they, they knew who people were. You had a very uh, a unique one-on-one -on -one relationship with the communities they serve. Would you not agree? Yes. Yeah, they, they're prevalent they're here in Buffalo, too. I remember the guys on the beat and in the suburbs, uh, they were uh, in the car, windows down, everybody waved. You know who you're talking to. Right. And I think we saw really about 15, 20 years ago, we started to see what I call the, the super steroid cop, where you see these cops that are in the gym. They got tats all over the place. They're all muscled and chiseled up. You know they're doing steroids. They've got uh, their, their big guns. And when I refer to their guns, not the ones in the holster, but their big muscles in wearing shirts two sizes too small that are bulging out. And a lot of these guys have a major attitude problem. And I'll tell you, I think a lot of these guys have uh, some serious, these guys have, have dominance type issues where these guys like playing the big guy. They want to be the big shot. And these guys, I think they, they've got a couple of screws loose. Would you agree with that? Agree or disagree with me? I agree with you. You know, that's that TV culture of the uh, big bad cop that busts down the doors. And that's also a problem where we've got these on every single drug bus or any bus now. They're coming in with these militant weapons, which is overkill. And I disagree with the Trump administration and Jeff Sessions allowing excess military gear to be sold to local police uh, organizations. I think that is a huge mistake. So you get these guys all jacked. First of all, they're all roided up to begin with. And there's a lot of cops and bad cops out there. And I'm going to call them out. And I saw, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm sitting out one day where uh, the executive offices of the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network is located. And I see this cop sitting there. And he's been sitting there for a while. So I come out, very friendly, and I say, hey, what's going on? And he looks at me. And again, one of these guys, too much steroids, too much time in the gym. His shirt is three sizes too small. His, his arm muscles are bulging out. 
And instead of just saying, eh, you know, I'm just here to do paperwork or, hey, you know, we're looking for something or whatever. Now, again, he's on private property, so he's on my property. Uh, and he says, or company property, let me, let me rephrase that. He's on company property. And he says, it's none of your concern. And I said, well, actually, you're on, you're on our company property, so I'm just asking. I'm asking politely. This guy said, sir, if you don't step away, you're going to be interfering with an investigation. I said, oh, so there's an investigation. Well, he gave me a lot of lip, and I said, listen, don't give me any lip. I said, I'm asking you. I said, or I'll just ask you to leave the property because you are on private property. And finally looked and said, no, actually, uh, we're just uh, we're just on a break. Now, he couldn't tell me he was on a break. So I'll get to this in a little bit. I'm going to get back to this story about the football team because there are a lot of bad cops out there. And when they are bad, we have to call them out. And the good cops want them called out. And I'm not going to be politically correct and sit here and say, oh, I'm going to just undeni- uh, unwaveringly support law enforcement when you got a lot of hoodlums and thug cops that are out on the street. And frankly, there have been a lot of decisions which should have put a lot of these cops in jail. But we'll continue our number two around the corner. I'm just getting started. The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the general, Cigar Dave. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Oh, I know I'm going to hear from my law enforcement buddies saying, General, how, you're going after us. You're damn right I am. If there's bad cops, I will go after you. We'll finish up what we started in the last segment of the last hour. But we welcome you back to the Cigar Dave Show, the home of alpha male pleasure conversational maneuvers and the alpha male lifestyle. We don't apologize for enjoying cigars. We're enjoying spirits, we're enjoying delicacies, we're enjoying dames and harems, and enjoying giant steaks on the grill. We don't apologize for being politically incorrect, and we don't apologize for having opinions and sticking to those opinions. I'm opinionated. That's why we've been successful for 22 years. You wouldn't want a Mamby Pamby five-star coming to you each and every week, a wussified beta. That would never work in a million years. But we are 100% USDA Alpha and proud of it. And we welcome you back one more time. We are thrilled to come to you today from the Western New York Theater of Operations classified location, the Pooch Pit. Colonel Ange joins us front and center. Colonel Ange, this is the first time I've been to the Pooch Pit, and I haven't seen one of the 23 grills and smokers fired up. It's killing me. I hope it's killing you, too. It really is. But, Colonel Ange, we have brought, we have brought proper delicacy supplies we have them in the oven we will tell everybody about it in just a little bit cigar mother made an incredible delicacy that uh, have you had that before yes i have but fortunate enough she made it once for me i think about a year or so ago uh just uh, called me i came over and picked it up brought it home it's delicious well we've got some special cigar mothers rosh hashanah brisket so we will enjoy that a little bit later on all right let me uh 
talk. Let me pick up where I left off in the last hour. We're talking about the the eight year old Cahokia football team in Illinois that was kneeling during the national anthem. Now they were kneeling because the one of the players asked the coach. He said, uh, asked the coach if he saw people protesting and rioting in St. Louis. The coach said yes. The coach said, you know why they're doing it. The player said, because black people are getting killed and nobody's going to jail. The coach spoke to them about that and other situations that have happened in the country. He explained why former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick started kneeling during the anthem. The reason Colin Kaepernick started kneeling is because he's a wussified beta that is engaged, either dating or engaged, to a Muslim who basically does not like the United States of America. I believe she's American by birth, but I think converted to Islam. And uh, so basically she looks at uh, America and, and all the owners of the NFL as slave, uh, you know, slave plantation owners and so on and so forth. And that's the reality. This Colin Kaepernick's too stupid to make up his own mind. And by the way, please put me on the plantation and make me a slave and make $45 million over the last five seasons that this ingrate has made. Colonel Ange, would you sign up for that gig? Especially, the uh, what was it, last year he sat on a bench most of the time. Yeah, that just beat the uh, Ted, Ted Webb first uh, job gig. Yeah, you to get air conditioning, exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> $45 million or forty-six uh, or $47 million Colin Kaepernick has made, and he's got the nerve and his, his girlfriend's got the nerve to say, oh, it's like being on a slave plantation. They're slave masters. I'll tell you what. Put me in slavery for six years and $47 million, I will gladly be put. As, call me a slave. Call me whatever you want. But for somebody to get paid $47 million, apparently he doesn't know what the proper definition of slavery is. Because the last time I looked, slaves weren't paid anything. Slaves were mistreated. And I don't think that Colin Kaepernick was forced to stay at a Motel 6. They all stay at five-star hotels when they travel. They travel on charters. They all get uh, five-star meals provided to them throughout the course of the day. Last time I looked, NFL players were not exactly mistreated. Uh, not a, no, not now. Not at all. Exactly. So one of the kids then talked, referred to Colin Kaepernick and said, can we do that? And the coach said, as long as we know why we're doing it, he doesn't have a problem with it. Well, I do have a problem with it. And I think what he should have said was to those eight-year-olds saying, look, no country is perfect. The United States has had an interesting history. And he should have used that as a lesson to maybe talk a little bit about the history of blacks in America and talk about how things have changed, that today in the United States of America, a black child or any child can get an education, can go to college, can go to post-secondary, a graduate degree, can become anything they'd like. You want to be a lawyer, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a football player, you want to be a teacher, you want to be a banker, you want to be a social worker, you want to be a CEO, you can do anything you want as long as you apply yourself, you study, and you put your mind to it. Now, that would have been proper. And what he should have said was, we may disagree with things that are going on, but the proper form is for us to engage in debate and to try to change things. But we still have to respect our country, and the flag. And we as citizens of this country have the right to change things. And if you kids want to do a project outside of football on how we can change things and how we can get the word out about different things, that's what the coach should have done. But instead, you had when the anthem started, the Cahokia third graders taking a knee. And I'm still convinced that most of these people saw some of their NFL, watched NFL games, and they saw what the pros were doing and said, well, we're going to emulate that because, let's face it, when you're a Little League, you emulate what the pros are doing. You think of yourself, if you're a quarterback, as being a Tom Brady or you think of yourself as being a, uh, a Brett Favre or, or, or a, a foot or whatever, a running back or a linebacker. You emulate those players. That's what kids do. 
Yeah, you see it every day. Go to a Little League football game and watch them high-five, celebrate in the end zone, uh, you know, come to the game with headphones on. I mean, it's really kind of silly to see little kids doing it, but that's what they're doing. Exactly. Now, they, they took a knee. Now, their backs were away from the flag, but the coach said it was not on purpose. The coach said, and I quote, what I teach my kids is love, integrity, honesty, fairness, respect, and boundaries. Now, if he teaches respect and boundaries, what he should have taught is, look, we can disagree with things that happen in the country. We can certainly disagree with our government. We can disagree with policies, with laws, with what law enforcement is doing, but we're still going to respect the flag because there are people that died for your right to protest. So we're not going, we're going to respect the flag. We're going to respect the national anthem. But what we're going to do is after football, maybe we do a little project. Maybe we do a little learning lesson and maybe we can teach others and we can make this a teachable moment. That's what the coach should have done. I'm sorry, but I disagree with the coach 100%. I agree. Look at uh, Anquan Bolden, who recently uh, retired as a Buffalo Bill and uh, came out with a letter today with a couple other uh, NFL football players sending something to the uh, commissioner talking about having some uh, uh, time of reflection and respect. But if you noticed, Anquan Bolden never knelt down during the national anthem. He's still expressing what he feels, but he's doing it, and I think, a, a very good way. Well, I like what Jerry Jones, I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan, but I like what Jerry Jones said. You kneel down or disrespect the flag or the national anthem, your ass is out of here. That's exactly what he said. And as an owner, he has every right to do it. Your ass is out of here. Don't mess with the Cowboys and don't mess with Texas. <laughs> yes. That's how he said it. That's how he said it. Now, I, I, look, I like Sean McDermott, the co- coach of the Buffalo Bills, but I disagree. He had a player. I think there was one player during preseason. I don't know if he's still on the team or not. No. He's not on the team. Oh, good. We cut his ass. So he said, well, I want to talk to him. I want to understand him. Here's what I say. This is as a team. We respect our national anthem. We respect the flag. You got a problem? Do it outside. Raise awareness. You know, hold seminars, hold meetings. That's what you do. But don't do it on this field. This is what we do. And if I'm not mistaken, a number of the Buffalo Bills fans really booed this guy uh, during preseason when he uh, ended up kneeling. Yeah, he had a real rough time. And, uh, in fact, if you go way back to when uh, the Bills played uh, Colin Kaepernick last year, it was a, a frightful scene. I mean, the fans were really out against him. There were T-shirts and protests and, you know, pretty proud around here of our tradition of respecting the flag. Well, I'll tell you, there are a lot of, uh, look, Buffalo, you go to any Bills game or you go to a lot of games, you've got white, black, Asian, you got everybody. And I can tell you one thing about Buffalo, everybody in that stadium, they are, you know, one mission. They root for the Bills. They're all patriotic, everybody in there. That is uh, probably, look, you, you go to any stadium. I've been to stadiums around the country. Green Bay and Buffalo are very unique because they're diehards. They don't care if it's 150 degrees or 150 degrees below zero. They're showing up, and they're diehards. And they're uh, in those areas, they are diehard Amer- patriotic Americans as well. I agree, General. You've been there, and you've seen it. It's amazing. Go to a Bills game. Show it before uh, the game starts. Let them see what happens during the national anthem and, and a Sabres game, too. They're um, People at Sabre, people in the aisles, people coming away from snack food stands are standing and facing the direction of the flag during the national anthem. It's amazing. A couple of weeks ago, there was a baseball game. I think it was the Cincinnati, was it the Cincinnati Reds uh, manager? I think he was arguing with two of the umpires, and all of a sudden they started playing God Bless America. All three of them stopped in unison, <laughs> took their caps off, and then once it was done, then they started arguing again. That's, that's America. Now that's America. That was respect. So to teach these kids, I, I think the coach should have taken a different tack. Now let's go back to law enforcement. I want to I finish that up because 
there are a lot of psychopaths in law enforcement. That's a fact. They're violent. They're aggressive. These guys are on this high horse. It's a power trip for many of these guys, and you see it. You see them, you know, they walk with their boots, how they walk with the big muscles and so on. And I can tell you that I've talked to many veteran cops and police that are in leadership positions that say, General, it's a problem. We know it's a problem. There's some bad apples. There's some bad weeds out there. Now, there's a hell of a lot of good ones. The good news is there's way more good cops than there are bad cops. But in any profession, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's medicine, whether it's in business, you always want the good ones to root out the bad ones because the bad ones cast a very bad shadow over everyone else. Because the last thing you want to do in any profession is if you've got someone that disrespects your profession or casts a negative shadow on your profession, the last thing you want is that person in your profession. Colonel Ange, same with you. Absolutely. And 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 it, it runs, it's like a virus or an illness. You've really got to put a stop to it because that can really have a negative effect on the way you operate as a team or as a business. So we see a lot of these younger guys now, these guys in the 20s, 30s, you know, 40s, they're all bulked up. There are psychopaths. There's no doubt about it. I guarantee you, if you're a member of law enforcement, I'm not telling you something you don't already know. The difference is a lot of people won't say it. You don't want to hear it. But that's the fact. I'm telling you the truth, and you know it. And we see these guys, and we've seen a lot of these bad apples, and you're right. They have gone after some black Americans, and that's wrong. And I'm going to call them out for it. Now, what I saw this guy that the shooting they're referencing in St. Louis who was just exonerated, when he said, oh, I'm going to kill that uh, uh, guy or I'm going to whatever, that guy was jacked up, and that guy was ready to do something. And I don't care if the guy was a narcotic suspect, whatever it was, when you hear on the tape, oh, I'm going to kill this guy, these guys get jacked up. You saw those cops in Cleveland that, uh, that killed someone, uh, what was it, a year or two ago? We saw somebody in South Carolina do that. They were charged for murder, and they were convicted, and that's exactly what should happen. We've got bad cops out there. They should be called to task, and it's up, I believe, to the chiefs, the assistant chiefs, the people who are hiring a lot of these cops from the interview process. If you think these guys are psychopaths or have some of those tendencies, do a background check just like any business would do. And I know they do, but sometimes they close their eyes to these guys. And if these guys get strikes on their record from the get-go, forget it. We saw that uh, Muslim cop in, in Minnesota that shot that woman. That guy's had issues, problems on his record, and yet he was still allowed to, uh, to, be, to be employed. That is an issue. We saw in Tampa, there was a guy, a cop, who was bad news. This guy was bad. He was on the, the uh, driving wall impaired uh, task force. He was in charge of it. And uh, he basically tra- entrapped a number of different people. And I know somebody, not a, there was somebody in the broadcasting profession that was, uh, whose attorney uh, uh, was entrapped. But there's another person who I know that I will not name who had the same issue because this particular cop disagreed with him politically on something. And this cop ended up getting called out. It turns out that uh, he was fixing a number of different things and and entrapping a number of people, and he got fired. But you can't tell me that that cop, what he was doing was not known by people in the Tampa police force. Any Tampa police officer that knew him can't tell me with a straight face, hey, we didn't know what he was doing. Bull. They knew what he was doing because I've talked to some cops that said, yeah, we kind of knew what he was doing. It's up to the good cops to call out the bad cops. And again, when you see, I get irritated when you see something because I'm going to tell you something. What happened to me going out 
one day talking to this cop. Again, this guy was a psychopath working for the Tampa Police Department, asking him a simple question. Hey, is there something going on? Are you looking for somebody? Because at that point, I would have said to people in the building, hey, they're looking for somebody. There's a robbery suspect or there's somebody violent. Be on the lookout. If you see anything suspicious, call 911. Instead of just saying, I'm here on break, he gives me attitude. Step away from the vehicle. It's none of your concern. Well, he was on private property. It was. And that's not how you address the people that pay your salary. The answer should have been, everything's okay, just sitting here on break. Oh, great. Enjoy. That's what I would have told him. No problem. In fact, I would have said, you need a water or anything? You want some coffee? We've got some inside the building. So to those of you that are good cops, do yourselves a favor. Call out the psychopath bad cops because there are plenty of them that are out there. That is reality. And I know I may hear from some of them saying, General, that's not true. And we've got a lot of cops that listen to us. And I guarantee those of you that are listening to me right now that are good cops, you know you're nodding up and down saying, yeah, we know who the bad ones are. Yep, they, they cast a shadow on us. Then get rid of them. Call them out before they do more damage. I'm not politically correct here. I'm not going to just uniformly say, hey, I'm just going to respect all law enforcement. No, I respect the good cops of law enforcement. But the bad apples, sorry. I don't respect those guys. Those guys need to be kicked to the curb and fired and make sure they never, ever work in law enforcement or security ever again. Because not only do they cast a shadow on your police departments and on police forces across the country, but on this country. Because people in this country do not want to see that happen, period. And it's not just to blacks. It happens to white whites. It happened to an Indian American uh, a couple of years ago in Alabama where this guy was just walking along and this cop came in and just crashed. Guy was, I think, 60 or 70 and, and crashed this guy to the cement and did a lot of damage. This guy, a bad apple. So if you see any bad apples in your law enforcement, call it out before we have to read about it in a newspaper or watch it on videotape or on an evening newscast. All right, when we come back, lieutenants, delicacy maneuvers. And that is something I can tell you there's not going to be one bad slice of Cigar Mother's Rosh Hashanah brisket in the pan. That I can guarantee. Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the pooch pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor.
Surgeon General warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliffe, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. It's quick. It's easy. It's beef. Hey, Bobby, pull up a chair. It's what's for dinner. Well, brisket is what's for lunch, and brisket is not that easy. Colonel Ange, we continue from the pooch pit. Cigar mother made her special Rosh Hashanah brisket to ring in the uh, new year here with her special sauce. We have warmed it up. Colonel Ange, brisket is not easy to make. It's a tough meat. It's probably the most difficult of everything, anything that goes in the barbecue, anything. It takes takes a long time. You've got to do it right. It It's the toughest. I, now, the brisket is from the chest area, correct, of the cow? Mm-hmm. Correct. So it's a very tough muscle. It is. It's tough. There's a, uh, It really has to be broken down. You really have to cook it low and slow for a long, long time. You can braise it low and slow, but you, you just can't take a brisket and have it for dinner. Uh, if you pick it up in the afternoon, it ain't going to work. Well, my mother has a little secret. She makes the brisket, and then she takes it back to the butcher who slices it nice and thin. Because I don't like thick brisket when it's really, or when they chop it. I hate when they do that. She takes it back, gets it uh, nicely uh, uh, sliced. Not too thin, not too thick, just very nice. And then her special sauce that's on there with a little bit of uh, tomato paste and some other special secret ingredients. And it's delicious. So let's let's dig in. It's great. In fact, I've tasted Take a taste. This looks like it even better than last year's batch. Mmm. I'll tell you. The way she cooks it. Mmm. I'll take a picture of this. The way she cooks it is such that it's very moist, very tender. It's not overly chewy. Delicious. Yep. Melts in your mouth. I mean, this is the way a brisket's got to be done. And I love the way that it's sliced. It's so very thin. In fact, I'm going to take a nice picture here so we get it. Everybody can see. Beautiful. Yeah, almost looks sliced the same way as pastrami. Look at that. It's gorgeous. Just a little bit thicker, but I'll tell you what, on a sandwich, ran out of Al Cohen's rye bread, Colonel Ange, so I brought brought over some bagel thins instead. Okay. I may have have Al Cohen's. Always have Al Cohen's in the house. You've got to have rye bread. I mean, come on. Oh, classic. I'm at the airport, and guy, there's a deli there. I just got in a, a, a water. I'm listening to a guy order... I kid you not. Corned beef on white with mayo. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. I looked at the guy and said, I went to him, I said, you're kidding, right? He said, no, it's, I like it. I said, rye bread, mustard, my man. Yeah, there's no other way. That's like breaded chicken wings. Where are you coming from? Hooters, that's what they do. Breaded chicken, what do they know? What do they know? All right, so 
Cigar Mother Piera's magnificent Russia Shana brisket will send you pictures absolutely mouth-watering. Mm. First time in the pooch pit, I had to bring food. It's, it's, it doesn't happen often. Get the latest cigars, hand-picked by the General, each month, delivered straight to your door when you join the Cigar Dave Officers Club. For just $22.95 a month, you'll receive three premium cigars in a customized Ziploc Cigar Dave pouch. To join, go to CigarDave.com. Okay, people, we've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado, got a 91 rating, plus it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. How? What about, it's not your grandfather's cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next. How about good to the last draw? Ah, something original, people. You deserve a brick today? Now, who are you? Do you even work here? Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yeah, it costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair, genius! <laughs> Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com. At the Cigar Dave Show, there are several things we really like in a Washington bureaucrat. Uh, embalming fluid? A wooden stake through the heart? Well, I guess after those two things, you really don't need the rest. Can we extend that to Congress, too? I think you should. We absolutely should. The general front and center, America's alpha male, the correction, the global alpha male, global five-star. From the Pooch Pit, Western New York Theater of Operations, very warm. We're outside. It is delightful, 83 degrees, sunny, warm, not humid at all. We are surrounded by the aroma of great Cigar Mother Piera's Rosh Hashanah brisket, our Placencia Almo, Alma del Campo cigars, and we had some Knob Creek bourbon. Tell you what, before we go on, Colonel Ange, I brought some Southern Tier 2X hopped hop-flavored whiskey. Now, this is very unique because Southern Tier distilling their sister company is Southern Tier Brewing. And one of the great beers that they make is called their 2X IPA. So actually what they do is when they are done using the hops for the 2X IPA, what they do is they take copious amounts of those piney hops, they take the wort from the brewing process, and they ferment dry hop and distill it into an American whiskey. Very, very unique, incredible flavor. Let me uh, swirl it around here. You get that 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 hoppy aroma from beer with a little bit of that uh, oakiness from from whiskey and bourbon. I'll say, cheers here. Mm. 
Wow. Get the whiskey. You get a little bit of that IPA, a little bit of that that hoppiness on the palate, a little bit of that beer taste. Pretty good. Pretty unique. Yeah. You know what? And it's scary because you could you could have a couple of two, three glasses of this. It is really smooth. Well, I've got batch one, bottle 1,083. And I was actually down visiting the distillery and did tastings of everything. And, in fact, we're going to feature this and some of the Southern Tier distilling uh, whiskeys that uh, that I picked up while I was there next week during our bourbon and American whiskey tasting maneuver edition of the Cigar Dave Show with Somalia Dave and uh, Tommy D, from who's the Senior Executive Vice President of Spirits and Wine Procurement for Corona Cigars in the Davidoff Cigar Lounge in Tampa. All right, we're talking about dumbbells, Congress and 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 bureaucrats. This is a unique story, Colonel Ange. I quite don't. I was almost debating whether or not to discuss this, but we as mature alphas can discuss anything, including when dumbasses do things that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. The headline grabbed my attention in the New York Post a week ago. Man gets his tallywhacker, well, I changed it, stuck inside a dumbbell plate. A man in Worms, Germany, Javolt, got his penis stuck in the hole of a five-and-a-half-pound dumbbell plate at the gym. Now, let me ask you. What on earth was this guy doing sticking his tallywhacker inside a dumbbell plate? Hey, if I had any idea, uh, General, I don't think you'd want to sit next to me. I mean, I've heard of sit-ups and push-ups. Was he doing penis-ups? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jump-ups. I, I have no clue. So they, they had to call firefighters to come to the scene. It took a hydraulic saw, a grinder, and three hours of the firemen working on it to free the man's entrapped member. The fire department shared a photo of the broken weight on Facebook, and it's captured with a warning, please do not imitate such actions. And you can see the remnants of the dumbbell right there. Now, why on earth, what on earth would possess this guy? If you're a weightlifter, bulk up your arms, bulk up your legs, your thighs, whatever. But did he really think he was going to bulk up his tallywhacker? I think he lost a bet. I, I don't even th- I Odd. I mean, you, you know what? I almost thought this has got to be made up until I went and saw that it's, it was legit. All right, let's talk about a couple of uh, – we're talking about bureaucracy and government. Let's talk about something uh, – two, two items relevant to the cigar industry here. Spend a couple of minutes talking about cigar industry-related news. I told you a number of years ago about a government operation under Obama called Operation Choke Point. Now, Operation Choke Point was really an off-the-books, unwritten type of operation in which the Obama, Obama administration went after businesses that they didn't like. So, for example, what businesses didn't they like? They didn't like payday lenders gun dealers, and cigar and tobacconists and cigar and tobacco retailers. So what did they do? Well, they didn't come out with a written law because they'd have to take that through Congress. They created this off-the-books Operation Choke Point program. Under the guise of combating financial fraud, the Obama administration pressured banks to sever business relationships with those businesses that the government deemed to be supposedly at high risk for fraud. How do they do it? 
when bank examiners from the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, went in to audit banks. And by the way, when an FDIC examiner goes in, the banks jump. Okay, because basically they are the regulators and these guys go over everything with a fine tooth comb. And one of the reasons that banks haven't been able to lend is because the FDIC has come in and their lending standards are so high that they've choked off credit to even businesses which are successful and should get credit. So what the FDIC did is they went in with their bank examiners and they verbally told the banks and banks bank executives that because of potential fraud that the bank accounts of those businesses should be closed or frozen and they shouldn't process credit card financial transaction now what they did was they went to these executives now under the guise of saying again we're doing this because we want to combat fraud but wink wink nod nod if you don't do this we could come in with a full slate of examiners and really make your life miserable. We'll get right up your asses, and we will make your life miserable. And I know this for a fact because I've talked to bank executives who off the record told me, as long as I didn't use their name in the bank, said we were absolutely pressured to go after these businesses, so we had to call businesses that have been with us for many years. In fact, Jeff Borshowitz, the proprietor, the owner of Corona Cigars and Corona, the Davidoff Store and Lounge in Tampa, who I'm very friendly with, Jeff alerted me to this a couple of years ago and said, we've been doing business for 20 years with this one bank, never had any issues. And he said, I hate to do this. It's out of my control. We basically are getting pressured from these regulators. So, again, what's the beauty of this for the Obama administration? There was never any written record of the government doing, uh, acting on any program. It was simply regulators saying, now listen, we want to be nice to you. It really would be we, the last thing we want to do is have to really come down on you, hand, haul you guys in front of a grand jury for assisting with money laundering or fraud. So what did the bank execs do? They said, hey, we don't want any part of that. Sure, we'll close it down. And they quietly complained to congressmen, gun dealers, cigar retailers, other businesses complained to Congress, and Congress finally brought it up. And the... House uh, in front, I think, the Financial Committee, the Judiciary Committee, and basically they could never get any straight answers because when they were brought up, the Judiciary, the, the Justice Department said, well, we don't have any record. We're not doing it. The FDIC, well, we don't have any written record of this. We're not doing it. And everybody knew it was going on. But again, Obama was the biggest threat to the Constitution since Richard Nixon, period. And any Democrat that has the unmitigated gall and chutzpah to say that Donald Trump is a threat to the Constitution, knows nothing about constitutional law or procedure. But what Obama did was said, well, we're going to quietly circumnavigate Congress. We're going to circumnavigate the legislative branch, one of the key, uh, one of the, the three important branches of government, and we're going to do it via government bureaucracy, via the bureaucracy that we control. Well, the Trump administration came in, realized what was going on, and pulled the plug on this illegal threatening of the banks just because the government didn't like the businesses that some of the clients that the banks had were in. Assistant Attorney General Stephen Boyd sent a letter to Congress calling Operation Choke Point misguided and saying, quote, we share your view that law-abiding businesses should not be targeted simply for operating in an industry that a particular administration might disfavor. Enforcement decisions should always be made based on facts and the applicable law. 
reiterate that the department will not discourage the provision of financial services to lawful industries, including businesses engaged in short-term lending and firearms-related activities. Now, they also went after other businesses as well. But the fact of the matter is, this was nothing more than the heavy-handed law of the Obama administration saying, we don't like these businesses, we want to put them out of business, we can't do it legally, so we're going to use our bureaucracy to go after another business, which you do business with, meaning the banks, we're going to let them be the bad guy. And essentially, when you can't get your credit card transaction processed, when you can't get your deposits taken, what happens? The bank says, hey, forget it. We're not going to do it. And all these businesses get screwed. Lesson to be learned to every business. Always have more than one business bank account. In fact, I tell people you should probably have three. And in fact, one of the things Cigar Aid, my grandfather told me, because all the banks would always come to him using the wallpaper and paint business, all the competing banks would want all his business. So whenever he'd go for a loan, a business loan, they'd say, well, now, Abe, can we get, we, we want you all your business. Are you going to give us all your business? And my grandfather always said, make him think you're going to give him all your business, but never do. And he'd say, you know what? I will seriously think about giving you all my business. I'm going to think about that. I've been meaning to think about that. And, of course, he never did. The moral of the story is always have more than one bank because you never know when something like this is going to happen where all of a sudden you can't put your deposits in a bank. At least you have another bank that maybe the FDIC didn't pressure or another bank that stands up to them and says, hey, we're not going to be bothered with this. But you should always have multiple banks and never ever tell a bank you will give them 100% of your business. Make them think you will, but don't ever give them 100% of your business. They always want it, but never give it to them. Lieutenants, this alpha just gave you a large nugget. That is worth its weight in about 100 bullion ounces of gold. No ifs, ands, or buts. Now, staying on the cigar industry news, Big announcement from the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association, an announcement that kind of came out of the blue from the IPCPR. They announced this week that Chief Executive Officer Mark Purcell, who has held the CEO post since 2014, will be stepping down on October 15th. Rather interesting. Now, this is the second executive director they have now, or CEO they've had now in five years. Purcell thanked the IPCPR, stated he was proud of what they had achieved during his tenure as CEO. He said IPCPR has the right leadership and staff to face the future. Now, I will tell you, I'm going to be very candid here, that uh, Mark Purcell, uh, I got along with Mark Purcell, but let's say that Mark Purcell was not the most favorite CEO that I've ever transacted business with or have dealt with while doing the show for 22 years. He came from, and I felt at the time this was a bad hire. I felt he was a bad hire because at the time I believed that the IPCPR needed a CEO who, with, who was tied into the Washington lobbying effort, who knew both sides of the aisle, the Democrats, the Republicans, who could easily walk into any congressman, congressman congresswoman, senator's office, and they would know him or her by name. They needed a legislative CEO. Instead, they hired, these, at the time, he was the senior vice president of the National Association of Home Builders, where he did oversee the legislative staff, but primarily the Builder Show, which is a very big show. And my feeling was they really should have had somebody who was totally concentrated on legislative affairs. You can always hire somebody to manage your convention. It's a once-a-year deal. 
But you need somebody 365 days a year that is on Capitol Hill that knows, that can walk into the House, the Senate, the proper bureaucracies, and deal with those people. Now, my feeling at the time was that he wasn't the right guy for the job. I have no idea what transpired, but I can tell you this. He did try to increase the attendance. He, he did try to uh, do some unique initiatives at the Cigar Retailers Convention. He started some lunchtime learning seminars. He started a big concert, which, frankly, I thought was a bust. Their talent level was always B, that the, B or C that they got. They didn't get great attendance. They put it on the last night of the show, which I thought was a mistake. But he also modified the layout of the floor, which some people liked, some people didn't. But he changed the booth pricing structure, which increased the average booth price to manufacturers around 20%. And I heard from manufacturer after manufacturer that they were not happy in any way, shape, or form. So, back to square one for the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association. And I hope they will bring in a CEO with more legislative experience that also understands the value of the media. And those of us, such as me, that talk to cigar consumers, the only media that talks to cigar consumers as well as the general public, each and every week. The only one fighting each and every week for the cigar consumer, for the rights of cigar manufacturers to sell their products without onerous regulations and onerous taxes. Maybe, maybe the search committee at the IPCPR will hire a CEO just like they had previous CEOs that understood the value of having this general front and center broadcasting from the IPCPR without undue restraints and restrictions. And I will just leave it at that. Am I sorry to see him go? No. I do wish Mark the best of success on a personal level. I always liked him, thought he was a fine gentleman, but never was the right guy to be CEO of the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Convention. I will leave it at that. The final and concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. If you miss any of the general show, you can catch up anytime with the Cigar Dave mobile app. Presented by Diamond Crown. Listen to the most recent show simply by opening the app with our continuous replay. Or you can download a podcast of a past show. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store to get it. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. I'm here with my brother Nish and my cousin Nimish, and we're talking cigars. Guess what? They want me to vote on what my favorite cigar is. It's tough, but I'm going to go with the Decade. I love it. It's rich, decadent, and smooth. Rocky, you know what? The Decade's a great cigar, but the 15th anniversary, that's the cigar. That celebrated your 15 years in business, and I got to tell you, it's my favorite. You know what, Nish and Rocky, you both are wrong. The best cigar is Freedom by Rocky Patel. This cigar delivers a lot of spice, a lot of flavor, and in my opinion, it's the best cigar we make. As usual, we can't agree. But guess what? There's a great cigar for everyone. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. The brand new Cigar Dave mobile app for both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now either to the iTunes store or the Google Play store, 
Search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. Sopranos, theme to Sopranos. Colonel Ange, final segment here. Everybody's, I mean, I miss the Sopranos every Sunday night. I get to see them once a week. I just go to the local place where they hang out. <laughs> there you go. Well, well-known mob actor. He played in the Sopranos and Goodfellas and in Casino, Frank Vincent. Real name, his born name was Frank Vincent Gattuso Jr., well-known actor, in fact, cigar connoisseur, passed away on September 13th, so a couple of weeks ago at the age of 80. Very well-known. Apparently, I think he had uh, cancer, but just a very well-known actor. Always looked good. You never would think the guy was 80. He played character uh, Frank Marino, based on the real-life gangster Frank Collada in the film Casino. He played Billy Bats in Goodfellas. You remember that movie, Colonel Lynch? Tommy. Tommy, you still got that shoebox? Throw that shoebox over. Come on, shine my shoes, Tommy. Shine my shoes. That's famous line. And Phil Leotardo, the nemesis to Tony Soprano in the long-running HBO series of Sopranos. I remember his wife. He was thin. His wife was about 550 pounds uh, 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 dry, okay? Yeah. And I remember Tony said something, and there was a hole to do. Remember that deal? Oh, yeah, that was beautiful. Well, he, that happens all the time, by the way. He was raised in Jersey City, Jersey. He acted in a number of things. And uh, in 2006, he published a book. A Guy's Guide to Being a Man's Man. Sounds like our kind of book. Yeah, I never knew that. That's come. That's on my wish list for my birthday day. There you go. So, Well, wait a minute. I gave you the, uh, for your, the book, I gave you the, uh, the from the Franklin Barbecue. Yeah. I gave you that, that big Franklin Barbecue book. And, and I love it. It's terrific. And uh, I'm working on it. And next, I got to work on his mob book. There's a limit of one. I got one for Lieutenant Gary, too. I had to wait a few weeks because they were backward. That's how popular they are. Yeah, no, that's a great book. In fact, that's something we have to talk about on a future show. They talk about barbecuing at a higher temp than we usually do. We will get to that. Now, Frank Vincent, also cigar connoisseur, as I mentioned. Frank had a cigar. He was on my show. Had a cigar called the Frank Vincent Signature Series. Way back in the boom, I think I had him on around 19... 96, 97. Actually, a very pleasant guy. I saw him at a couple of cigar retailers conventions. So to Frank uh, Vincent, rest in peace. A great actor indeed. Last month, a truck full of Drew Estate cigars containing Tabaca Special Dulce Robustos and Ardor Crown Shade Bellicosos was stolen on August 8th. Drew Estate made the announcement this week to inform retailers about the cigars. Second time this year, a truck full of cigars has been stolen in South Florida back in April. Arturo Fuente had an entire container stolen in the Miami area that was en route 
to the company's headquarters in Tampa. Police eventually recovered the truck and the container. Most of the cigars were missing. If anybody has any, if a retailer, somebody comes across wanting to sell them, or there is uh, somebody with suspicious, go ahead and call either the police or call Drew Estate headquarters. All right, very quickly here. Teacher in Tallahassee at Canopy Oaks Elementary asking students to use gender-neutral pronouns in the classroom. Now, I'm going to save this for next week, but the lady's name is not Miss Bresick or Mrs. Bresick. It's M-X dot Bresick, and she refers to herself as Mix, not Ms., not Miss, not Mrs., Mix Bresick. And that's how she wants to be addressed because she wants to use gender-neutral pronouns. So clearly, this is part of the wackiness now going on in classrooms. And we'll get to this next week, Colonel Ange. Yeah, that's insane. Mixed master. Is she, uh, is she a DJ? I- I'm telling you. He, she, ju, ja, ja. Like these names. I mean, now what is an organ? There, you don't have, in can or somewhere, you don't have to put what gender you are. You're a male or you're a female. That's it. <laughs> That's the only two. Those are my two choices. There's an Andrew Dice Clay joke in there, but I'll tell that uh, after the show ends. Colonel Ange, thanks for the hospitality. Many thanks for allowing us to use the pooch pit on this gorgeous day in the Western New York Theater of Operation. You're always welcome, Dave. It was my pleasure. Don't forget, make sure you follow me at social media, Twitter at Cigar Dave Show, Facebook Cigar Dave. Just go to CigarDave.com. You can follow us right on the upper corner. Cigar Dave, the general saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. You will never hear gender-neutral pronouns on the Cigar Dave Show from this five-star ever, ever guaranteed.